follow me. Follow me. When I was growing up, my family, we would take a summer trip from the hot, humid bayous of Louisiana a little bit north to the Buffalo River in northern Arkansas, which I now know is also very hot and humid. <laughs> and one time we were hiking along the Buffalo River, and we came to a spot where it kind of cleared, and you could look over the cliff's edge into the river. And it was probably 15 to 20 feet high, although at the time it felt like 100. And my dad, who is a risk junkie, looked back at my siblings and I, and he took off running and he jumped over the cliff's edge and somersaulted into the water. Some of you guys are looking at me like, Jana, you actually kind of make a whole lot more sense now that, now, now that we know that story about you. And we looked at each other. Nobody said a word, just trying to assess, like, is there another way? Because if we go back down the way we came, that doesn't bring us to the spot where he is. And so one by one, some of us with more trepidation than others, we jumped. In that situation, actually the only way to follow was to jump. Follow me. We enter our text this morning at a transition moment in Matthew's gospel where the story shifts. It shifts from preparing for Jesus's ministry through John the Baptist, through the temptation in the wilderness, to the beginning, the start of Jesus's public ministry. And it comes to us in these two parts, this announcement of the kingdom and then the calling of the first disciples. And it's really fitting for us this morning to sit with this transition text because we are also in a transition moment as a church. We are, our preparation actually will soon come to a close. And we will also relocate and enter into a new season of life and ministry as a church, a new season of learning to follow. Our text begins in verse 12. Now when Jesus had heard that John had been arrested, he withdrew to Galilee. He left Nazareth and made his home in Capernaum by the lake in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali. John the, baptism, John the Baptist, the forerunner of Jesus, the one who is preparing the way, has been arrested. His ministry, as he knew it, has come to a close. And this news initiates Jesus moving from Nazareth, moving from his hometown, this kind of remote village, a little bit up the hill where he had been born and raised, to Capernaum on the Lake of Galilee. And most of Jesus' ministry, the rest of it really mostly throughout the book of Matthew, is going to be in this region of Galilee. And I love how the text reads here, he left Nazareth and he made his home in Capernaum. He relocates to this busy lakeside village. And this relocation to this place where fishing is the thing creates the context for which fishermen become disciples. 
Now, Matthew's gospel is written primarily towards a Jewish audience, and Matthew is working very hard to help the readers understand that Jesus is actually a fulfillment of, of a long, long story that they have heard, that they have been expecting. And so we hear from Matthew this echo from Isaiah, the land of Zebulun, the land of Naphtali on the road by the sea, across the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, or as Isaiah says it, Galilee of the nations. And then goes on to describe the people there that they have come to see a great light. Now, Zebulun and Naphtali probably aren't in most of our like vocabularies, but these are two of the twelve of the sons of the twelve tribes of Jacob. And so, historically, this region was their inheritance. And so, there's a connection here between the story that God has always been telling from the beginning and making its way to its fulfillment. And Jesus Christ. And one of the things I want to point out about what Isaiah and Matthew both say about this place, this location, Galilee of the Gentiles or Galilee of the nations, it gives us like this hint of the movement of Jesus' ministry. It's a movement outward. It's an outward-facing mission. And then he goes on to say like what Jesus is going to do in that place, what happens to those people when Jesus arrives on the scene, that the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. Those who sat in the region and the shadow of death, a light has dawned. And the context when Isaiah is speaking is the Assyrian invasion, but Matthew recapitulates that and illuminates for those listening what Jesus is about and what he is doing in light of the story of the people of God. And Jesus relocates to this place as the light. And we together following Jesus, following this outward movement, also are soon to relocate, to be a light to the people around us. And so the text continues on in verse 17. From that time, Jesus began to proclaim, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. And here, Jesus' Galilean ministry is summed up, and it really sounds a lot like John the Baptist. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. And Matthew's gospel uses this language of kingdom of heaven, where the other gospels uses the kingdom of God, and these are really interchangeable. And he uses heaven as, from a Jewish perspective as to respect the name of God. To, to not use it as frequently. But I want to emphasize, Jesus is not talking about a kingdom somewhere else. He's not talking about something that you go to when you die. It's coming near. The kingdom of God is approaching. It's coming near to us. And this was expected. Jesus was born under Roman occupation. And so the language of kingdom of God is welcome language. People are waiting to be freed. The people of God are waiting to be freed from pagan oversight. So when Jesus says something like the kingdom of heaven is coming near, he is saying something that people are expecting. They're wanting to hear. They're waiting for this news. They long for the reign of God. They're expecting a revolution. But the surprising thing about the kingdom that Jesus is bringing about that he's announcing here is that it won't come in the way that people expect and it's not coming in the way that they want it won't come quickly or by force 
It's a patient, peaceable kingdom. It is not the kind of kingdom where the means justify the ends. It is a kingdom where the means produce a certain kind of end, and the means and the end flow from the same source. And the appropriate response to that news of the kingdom is repentance. Now, this word repentance, like, gets a little bit of a bad rap. Some of us don't. Like, when we hear this word repentance, depending on how we grew up or maybe our church experience, it falls on us differently. And a lot of times, it's misunderstood as, like, feeling bad about ourselves. But actually, it doesn't mean that at all. Repentance is about changing direction. It's about turning course. It's about going one way and then turning the opposite way and going a different direction. To stop what you're doing and do the opposite Instead, it's more about what you do than about how you feel. You might say it's about who you follow. And repentance is necessary to participate in the kingdom that Jesus is announcing here. Because this kingdom is an altogether different kind of kingdom It's different than any other kind of power structure that people are familiar with. It's an upside-down kingdom. It's a kingdom of light, a kingdom of peace, a kingdom of healing and forgiveness. And changing course is necessary to participate in this kind of kingdom. And then in verse 18, the scene shifts a little bit from announcing what Jesus is up to to Jesus walking alongside the Sea of Galilee. And as he's walking alongside, he sees two brothers, Simon, who's called Peter, and his brother Andrew, and they're casting their nets. They are fishermen, as many are here on the Lake of Galilee. And we heard this story last week in John's Gospel. And Jesus says to them, follow me, and I will make you fish for people. And immediately, they left their nets and followed him. They change course. They go a different direction. And as he went on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, mending their nets. And he called. And immediately, they left their boats and their father And they followed him. Follow me. Now up until this point in the story, Jesus has really been operating alone. Like he goes, he's baptized alone. He goes into the wilderness alone. But from this point on in the story, these calling of the initial disciples, we will see Jesus constantly surrounded by these disciples, really throughout the whole of his public ministry. Wherever he goes, they go, and even if they're not mentioned, like their presence is assumed. He's their primary audience for all of his teaching. They witness all of his miracles. But they are not called passively. They are called actively. I will make you into fishers of people, he says. And ultimately, they are sent out to do the work of the kingdom. This story is not a story of a lone Messiah announcing the kingdom of God, rather a community that is being formed by him and around him and that are ultimately sent out by him. So the beginning of this passage sets up for us like this divine 
messianic coming of God's kingdom, and it's followed by the calling of these local fishermen, which doesn't exactly seem like a world-changing task force. But it turns out that this is precisely how the kingdom works, that the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. It's like yeast. It's the smallness and the lowliness of its appearance that is, in fact, the paradox of the kingdom. It is not a kingdom of revolution and violence. And this is why we heard in the letter to Corinthians, right? This is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. The cross actually makes no sense unless the kingdom is an upside-down kingdom. Follow me. This calling of the first disciples is instructive for you and I this morning. It demonstrates for us what it looks like to change course because of this news that the kingdom of heaven is coming near. To live a life consistent with the news that Jesus is announcing and bringing forth. And so the question is pressed upon us this morning as a church and as individuals. Will we follow? Will we follow? And this really invitation to follow comes to us really throughout our whole lives. For some of us, we might hear this invitation to follow this morning for the first time. But I would guess for many of us this morning, this might be the hundredth time or more. But the question stands like, where do we need to adjust course so that our lives are in step with Jesus and his coming kingdom? Following Jesus often means leaving something behind, as we've seen in this text this morning. All of this, the, the disciples left something behind, some of them fishing nets, Others, lucrative careers as tax collectors. Others, lives of violence as revolutionaries. But all of them, in deciding to follow Jesus, walked away from something else. But really, the leaving of something behind, it wasn't necessarily a prerequisite. It was more of a consequence. He called, they followed, and stuff just got left behind. And it wasn't that it was stuff that was bad. It was just in the way. And sometimes looking at what's in the way gives us a hint of what we need to leave behind. Follow me. Follow me. Our text closes this morning in verse 23. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and curing every disease and every sickness among the people. The kingdom of God is good news, and it leaves a trail of healed people wherever it goes. And this is the work that we are invited into. The, invita the invitation stands for us this morning. Follow me. Friends, Christ is calling. So may we, like the, dis the disciples, wherever we find ourselves this morning and whatever season of life we are in, may we respond to that call. May we jump. 
however much fear or trepidation might accompany us. Amen. I want to invite you into a moment of silent reflection. And I want to invite you to pray this prayer before the Lord. How are you calling me to follow this morning? Like what, that, what might that look like in my own life? How are you calling me to follow?